Hey everyone, welcome to the Love and Truth Church Savannah podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our hope is for these teachings to be encouraging and uplifting and that they would help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, let's get ready to receive a powerful message from Pastor A.J. Fowler. If you got your Bibles, turn to the book of Psalm 91. Psalm 91. I'm going to start, and you know how this works on Wednesday nights, according to when we do meet, because we do our first Wednesday night encounter service, and um, we do more focused on communion, ministry time, worship, things of that nature. Um, But I want to start into a series called Holy Habits. wanted to call them disciplines, but it may be a little bit too brash and bold for some of you, so let's just call them holy habits, because that's really what they are. It's things that, as a believer, that you have to have these in place in your personal life so that you can thrive and grow. It's very, very practical tonight. It's foundational, uh, very, very elementary, but it's really getting back to something, and, and I've taught on, taught on this subject many times, um, but, but something that that has really come to me because I hear a lot of people talk about, they quote this setting of scripture, but to really understand the foundation of the scripture is important because the blessing is not for everybody. It is for everybody, but it's for those who are willing to take the step and go off into the deep end of prayer. So uh, I wanna talk about that obviously, but let me give you a, just as we launch into this, as you're turning there, if you got your Bibles, I can't remember if it's gonna be on the side screen or not, but, um, but definitely Psalm 91. Everybody could probably quote it for the most part. Uh, and Matthew 6, but in uh, what God's doing in this season, just to bring attention to it, and what God's doing in this season in our, in our ministry, uh, the campus pastors and Pastor Eddie, we met yesterday, and I loved it because all we talked about was revival. We just talked about what God's doing, and, and we sense it as pastors that there's something different. We're not in a full-blown revival. I think it's obvious. Everybody could see that, but the spirit of it is in the, in the ministry, in our, especially at our location, but it's in the ministry as a whole. Now, people can define it and say, well, that doesn't look like, because it's not full grown yet. It's embryonic. I believe that. I believe the spirit of revival and, this, and the outpouring, God has, be, has begun something. He's shaping things together. And this is what I feel to tell you tonight. Uh, I don't really, I think warning is a strong word to say, but I, I don't want us to miss this, especially something that I prayed for and been fasting and seeking God for for a long period of time because when it comes, I don't want us to miss it. I don't want you to be sitting on the outside or, um, or develop a preconceived idea about whatever and miss what God's doing because I, it's the last thing I want our, our, our people to do. But the, what, what the Lord is doing, there is a renewal happening in a lot of people. How many of you would lift your hand and say that you feel like God's been renewing you, your passion's returning, your desire for the house of God is returning? Uh, there's so many people that's being renewed. Uh, and I believe that what follows renewal is revival. But a lot of times before revival, there's always revealable because God is revealing. He'll reveal you to you to say, it's time to change. Time to change your mind and 
all of these things. And so I believe that's what's happening. And, and I believe what the revival that's gonna take place in our location and even our ministry doesn't look like anything previously. I think there's things tied to it. I can't go into all that, I don't have time. But, but what I feel to tell you is that if you're focusing too much, and this is what God spoke to me, seriously. Uh, first off is he spoke to our location, set yourself apart for the work of the Lord, consecrate yourself. And so when I began to look at that, and I was like, okay, God, you're telling me to consecrate. And I know that's what you spoke to us on, a, on Encounter Wednesday night. Uh, but what that really entails is that for many of us, if you're too focused on the horizontal, everything that's happening, this is what he gave me, horizontal and vertical. If you're too focused on the horizontal things, like uh, I, I like to listen to prophetic voices, but in this season, I'm not listening to a lot of prophetic voices. One of my giants in the faith uh, that I love to listen to, I still listen to him. But I am stopping listening to all of these voices simply because the Lord has been dealing with me about, and even tuning into prophetic voices, a lot of those, it's great. But if you tuned into a prophetic voice more than you're tuned into this in a personal prayer life and a devotion life, there's a problem there. And I'm, I'm telling you as your pastor, you have to, you, you need to connect here, okay? There has to be a connect. Do you agree? You agree with me? If there's a connection too much with social media, listening to every Facebook prophet and Instagram prophet or, or, or every other media outlet uh, and, and you're not plugging into what God is saying in this season, I'm telling you, you're gonna miss it. Remember what I said Sunday night for those of you that came to Lead Strong? The rule of thumb is this, take God very seriously and laugh at yourself. You have to. Well, I'm taking God seriously and when God says, AJ, I've opened a window and people that have been reaching up, I'm fixing to reach down, there's about to be a connection. Now, my arms got tired a few times. And I said, I'm tired of reaching. But whenever he begins to pour out, I'm reaching up and I'm knocking. I'm trying to grab a hold of his hand and pull him down into this moment. And so that's what's happening. God has opened the window of heaven and he's pouring out something upon our location. I believe it's on the ministry, but I'm just gonna reference us, okay? We know it's coming to our, our ministry. And so for, for those of us that are, we're so horizontally attuned to uh, Newsmax, CNBC, every news media outlet and every social media, whatever that is that's out there, that's why the best thing that started out as, an, uh, started out as a fast, so to speak, in January became an addiction and now as a way of life, I'm no longer on social media. And I'm thankful because God knew that I couldn't steward what he's getting ready to release upon us. So for me, I wanna steward well. And there's a responsibility. It's not just, well, AJ's got to steward this move. Pastor Eddie's got to steward this move. No, love and truth ministries has got to steward a move. You got to steward it. And how do you steward it is through consecration. You set yourself apart. You shut things out. And I'm, just, I'm not telling that everybody does because again, there's certain things that, that's good and healthy for you. But make sure, I would just do a challenge. Shut it all off for 21 days. Shut everything off for 21 days. Um, and just seek him for 21 days. Let him be the source of your word. Again, it's great to listen to prophetic voices. It's great to listen, read books and all of that. It's great to plug yourself into certain things. Shut everything out for 21 days and plug into him and just prayer. Shut, and I'll talk about, it's kind of a focus I'm going tonight, but, um, and, and just see what happens as God begins to do what he's gonna do. I think it's important. Be vertically attuned be in that place where this vertical relationship there is just absolutely thriving. Give him 21. So that's, that's what I tell you. Maybe that's your hashtag to get off social media. Hashtag give him 21. I'm out. 21 days, I'm gone. I'll be back in 21 days. But just see what God would do and when you give that to him, all right? It's almost saved, but I want to steward well what God's pouring out upon us. And so here in Psalm 91.1 and also 
in the book of Matthew 6, we understand and we see this, what Jesus begins to talk about in Matthew 6, uh, but I, I want to I lead off with Psalm 91. And um, I'll just tell you, I'm going into holy habits. There's there, these things that have to be set in place. And when I say have to, they need to, but they really have to. But you don't do disciplines and habits, holy habits, so to speak. You don't do them all apart from having an encounter that leads to love and devotion. Love, if you read this Bible apart from falling in love with him, it's gonna become legalism. And that's where herein lies a lot of do's and don'ts and people, well, you gotta do this, you gotta, there are things like that, don't get me wrong, that, that are healthy for you, so to speak, as boundaries and guardrails. But if you try to, to, to develop holy habits apart from a relationship and actually encountering him, you'll walk into legalism and then you'll, you'll, you'll push your own personal convictions on somebody else and it just leads down a nasty road. But for me, when it comes to communicating with the Lord and, and talking with him, because this is holy habit number one is prayer. This is actually gonna be two parts. Uh, uh, depending on for next week, I'll, I'll, I'll continue part two. So I set out on my journey. So when I say prayer, please don't tune out. I say this every time I preach on prayer. But don't tune out on this. I, 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 want, I, want to, I want to help you take a step and develop a strong prayer life. I really do because that's my passion. I set out in a journey with prayer back 10 years ago. Actually, it's been almost, has it been 10 years? Uh, 11 years ago. And in the fall of 2010, when I committed myself, I was working construction and just, I just had an encounter and it's as simple as anything. And I said, you know what? I'm grabbing a hold of this. I've, I've been around, been surrounded by strong family members that knew how to pray. And I've heard them pray in prayer rooms and dark rooms. And it wasn't no music. It was just a few of them coming together and beginning to cry out to God. And all of a sudden something stirred. They broke through into something. That was, it was a group prayer, but, but it was still, I learned to hear phrases and words and things that I picked up on that I absorbed into myself and begin to pray to myself. But I, I didn't have a lifestyle that was conducive to sustain the growth of pr the prayer life because it's hard. It's really hard. And so when I set out in press and I'm committing myself to an hour, and y'all have heard my testimony in this, within two minutes in, sitting there with a cup of coffee and a journal, I'd been prayed everything I'd prayed. And so I just sit there and just kind of yawn, drink coffee, go get another cup of coffee and sit down and think. And there I was just journaling some stuff. And, and at the end of the hour, I just started giving God space, okay? Eventually, my, my time began to be more filled with, with words and things of that nature. But, but I set out on this journey to say, God, I'm coming as close to you as I possibly can. I'm, I'm the guy that if I go in all, all in on something, I'm, gonna, I'm all in. So if, I, if it was back in the day when I was doing bad, I'm going all in. I'm not going to half do it. You know, we're, we're all in on this thing. And when I set out to pray, I said, I'm coming as close. To, I'm a, I want to come. And my prayer for 2021 was this, God, and this is, this is me. Okay, I don't know what you're, I want, I pray that I could get freakishly close to you this year like where it becomes freaky. I'm not trying to say weird, but just the encounters and the things that you would speak to me. I want it to be, I want it to be strong. I want to come close, near. And that's what it was for this year. But little did I know back in 2010 that this would become the hardest thing, but yet the most rewarding thing that I've ever done in my life. What started out honestly was five minutes a day that grew to an hour a day. And I'm not saying it's every day, okay? 
But that was what I committed myself to and said, I'm doing it regardless of what happens. I've had the most incredible encounters with the Lord one-on-one with him that have led me to forgive others, to forgive myself was the biggest thing. It's led me to be refilled with the baptism and the Holy Spirit so many different times, not in a service, but privately. It's led me constantly to repentance because I'm always, I can say this, it's Wednesday night, but screwing up, messing up here and there and everywhere, but always learning the secret of rapid repentance, which I learned from Bob Sorge. It's led me to guidance. It's led me to direction. It's led me to discernment. And I'm gonna tell you, discerning of spirits is very important in this season, which is why I've shut up all media and outlets. I don't wanna hear what anybody's saying. I, don't want, I just wanna know the person. I wanna, look, I wanna be able to look at you and, and talk to you and feel what you're putting off, a vibe. I don't wanna hear what somebody said about you on social, social media and take my own approach to that. I don't want a preconceived idea from that regard. Discerning of spirits, is, it's not discerning. It's not the spirit of discernment. There is... But the the gift is discerning of spirits, which is vital to this season. You want to know what's operating behind the person. Is it good or bad? I believe that, now this is my opinion. I I don't know anywhere. A believer can't be possessed, but I believe they can be influenced. That's my opinion, okay? What influence, what spiritual, what demonic influence are you underneath or what heavenly influence are you underneath, okay? So, Discerning of spirits, very, I don't know why I went there, but that's, that's for you, whoever it is. I'm asking God, God, give me the discerning of spirits. I wanna know, not suspicion, so that, I, well, what's going on? I don't understand what, no, no, no. You give me discernment, God, I'm either gonna know how to pray for that person or I can confront that person. That's discernment. That's what it functions in. So anyway, but it, there's discernment that's come out of the place of prayer. Many more topics, but the most important was what he gave me a label in in probably 2011, and I, and I journaled it, and I love it, and I still bring, I remind him of it all the time. Father, you labeled me as a man of extraordinary intimacy back in 2011, and that's who I'm becoming. I wanna be a man of extraordinary intimacy with you, where when you whisper, when I feel your nudgings, your impressions, your nuances, however you're moving, I wanna be attuned to that. I don't wanna be attuned to the newest, hottest worship song or the newest, hottest, uh, greatest messes that's out in the world or whatever's going on. I wanna be attuned to you because heaven is always relevant. Your word is always relevant. Whatever you're saying is always relevant. And I'm not saying that I've, every day that I have these incredible encounters, but far from it. Most days in prayer, I walk away with unfulfilled desires, things that I've laid before his feet. I've talked to him about my circumstances. Let me tell you this, just a little bit of an insight for you. If you begin to talk about God's kids to other people, it makes him mad. Stabbing them in the back. I love this psalmist. I've said this before. The reason why he calls it backbiting because he never could find the knife. You know what I mean? So it's important that if you got a problem with one of God's kids, take it to God. It's his kid. So talk to him about his kids. That's important. I know that it's hard to do at times because we wanna find people we agree with and have a conversation about them with them because misery loves company. Gossip loves the other one. Get together, have that conversation about that believer. But talk to him about his kids. God, I've got a problem with this person and I'm struggling really bad. I need your help. It's a great place. Go into conversation with him and let him speak. Give him a chance. Don't just pour it out and not listen, okay? That's the worst thing you can do is somebody come to you asking for counsel but they really don't want counsel, they just need to vent and then leave, right? Let him speak to you. But it's a place where he would speak. And my, my goal tonight is not to tell you how to pray. 
I'm going to give you a, I'm giving you two things tonight that you can take into your personal life, apply it, and watch it start making a difference. My goal for you tonight is to inspire you to grow into a secret life with God that it would become so vibrant with life-giving that it kindles a contagious desire in others to start following your example. I, my wife told me, and one of our staff members a while back, and this, I mean, I'm just talking to you about my, prayer, my personal prayer life, which is, it's like, it sounds strange, but it's like, an, it's like opening the, the secret life, your secret life and letting someone view it. It's just, that's you and God. That's, that's private. It's a very intimate, private area for those of you that understand prayer. But she was telling me a while back, she said, not everybody wants to pray like you. And I'm just like, well, I don't understand that. Why not? She's like, well, I don't know, but not everybody's, they, they don't, and, and one, of, one of the other staff members is the same, dude, you're an anomaly. Nobody, and I'm not saying, it's not, it's just, I, I don't know. I, I've, I've developed a love for it. It was a discipline. It was one of those things where I gotta pray before it ever became, a, oh, I can't wait. Now, I will say there's been mornings this week, especially in the midst of baseball season, late nights, that I've, I, the alarm goes off at this specific time, and I'm just like, oh, I don't know if I can do it tonight. So it's like, you know, you're walking like a zombie over to the coffee pot and you're trying to get it started, taking your vitamins. I gotta get this big tall glass of water down because I need my digestive system running. So it's just like all of these things are going and you're, you're just going through the motions. But when, you, when I sit down and I open up and start into the Psalms and it takes me a few verses and a good half a cup of coffee, but whenever it gets in me, all of a sudden the Lord, the word becomes, it starts living. It comes off the page and I find myself when I read something that I start praying it, oh God, especially when I get to Proverbs, don't let me become, uh, don't let me become a fool that walks into promiscuity and, and, and all of these different things. You find yourself praying, the word just starts taking root in life and speaking to you and God begins to encourage. And then you find yourself, find yourself shutting the Bible and just taking a moment to meditate on the words that you just read and it starts to give life to you. That's why I do it. I don't just, get, it's life, it's life giving. But there has to be, you have to carve out that time. You have to set it aside. Now, I'm, that's common sense, we know that. But uh, I know what it's like to live by, beneath my calling as a believer and, and feel almost powerless to change anything. I've personally resorted to TV and other things to find fulfillment and to get revitalized from a, drain day, a draining day only to find myself empty for the thousandth time and, you know, maybe it's, I've been in, in the years to pass, I've been to conferences, I've been to church services looking to get rekindled and revived. You can get the fire here, but it's got to be tended outside of the church. You got to tend it. You can get it reignited and lit within the body of believers, but it's up to you to tend the flame that the Lord puts on the altar of your heart. And the only way that you can do with that is, 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 is him, him and you. That's it. Um, In Psalm 91, I want to read this and I want to give you some context and something that I read from one of the prince of preachers. Psalm 91, it doesn't mean what you think it is. Like I said, we like to quote this and we like to say it, but there, there, is, there is an actual, there's something you have to do. There is an actual, it's conditional. The scripture says, he who dwells in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. What does it mean to dwell? He who dwells, he who sits down, makes their abode, abides and remains. 
Not those that come for glimpses, but those that come to remain. It's the same word that Jesus is talking to his disciples in the book of John chapter 15. But let me just give you the context of which this verse is saying, because this is very important. This is Charles Spurgeon. They call him the Prince of Preachers. He said this, the blessing here isn't promised for all believers. It's for all believers, but it's not promised for all believers. It's for those who live in close proximity and fellowship with God. Every child looks to the inner sanctuary and the mercy seat. You understand the context of the temple, outer court, inner court, most holy place. Every child of God is looking towards that inner sanctuary and even looking beyond that to see the mercy seat of the Lord where the presence of God is. Yet all do not dwell in the most holy place. They run to it at times and enjoy occasional approaches. I love that. But they do not habitually reside in the mysterious presence. Don't freak out by that. God is mysterious, right? He shrouds himself in mystery as one of the, one of the uh, Old Testament uh, scripture says. He said, those who through rich grace, rich grace obtain unusual and continuous communion with God so as to abide in Christ and Christ in them, you then become possessors of rare and special benefits which are missed by those who follow at a distance and far off. Now that's a lot, but that's Charles Spurgeon. I love that. He who dwells, he who's willing to come before the Lord. And, and, and if I could just say it in this manner, I know, I know that our schedules are hectic right now. You can't, it's hard to get anybody to do anything at any point at this time because our schedules are filled with everything. And what I've learned and what God's wanting to pour out upon us and upon my life is that at any point, the presence of God becomes inconveniencing regardless, simply because it always interrupts your schedule in the midst of your busyness. God always interrupts your schedule, your business to give you something, but sometimes we're so busy and we're so politically attuned, we're so uh, socially attuned to the rest of, of culture and what's happening around us that we miss the small utterances of his voice because we don't create space for him to come and invade. I promise you, if you create space, I keep pulling myself to a message I preached some time ago. When I'm grieved in my spirit, Juice, Nick, I'm telling you, simply because there's been moments in my schedule that I filled it up with other things. And sometimes it can be simple as just laying on the couch and letting kids crawl on me. But I'll fill my schedule. Well, that's good. No, there's moments where I have filled my schedule with busyness and not given him space. It's the prophet that he passed through the widows, or excuse me, the woman that desired a child, I think it was uh, Elisha the prophet, she, she told her husband, she said, I love the King James, come thither and let us build a room for the prophet to come through, that he may come in and stay. They said, he comes through all the time, let's build him a room. I'm tired of his visitations, I want his habitation. And if you're willing to build space, I promise you, in any capacity of your life, God will begin to fill it. Some of you are saying, well, Pastor AJ, I can't do, I get it, I understand. It's hard to, to create that space, especially uh, uh, moms and uh, jobs and everything that's hectic and crazy. Listen, I, my kids are, they're getting up at 8.30, five minutes, God, I'm coming to sit down. I'm shutting the door in the bathroom. Father, here I come. I know Pastor AJ said, if I'll give you space, you'll come fill it. So I come in here and I shut the door and I'm asking you, I wanna to learn to dwell 
under the shadow of the Almighty. I want, you, I want to learn to abide. Teach me, Holy Spirit, how to abide. Jesus, I have shut the door and I'm shutting out the world. I'm giving you five minutes. I thank you for who you are. I thank you that your word says that whatever we ask in your name, you're gonna give it. So I'm asking that you would invade this time. Five minutes and start with consistency. Five minutes, just do it. Five minutes and start declaring yourself, I'm a daughter of extraordinary intimacy with God. I'm a, I'm a woman of extraordinary intimacy with God. I'm a man of extraordinary. I think that's, God doesn't want just me to have that label. He wants everybody to have that label because it's intimacy. I'm telling you, it's all about intimacy. It's not about extended church services and how much money we can give. Those are all, those are part of holy habits. I promise you, we'll talk about that later on. But it's all about coming close to him and letting him speak. And when you hear him speak, it changes everything. Your life is flipped and you'll, you'll begin to start running from the fear of man and running to the fear of the Lord. Your schedule will be no longer dictated by, by, by the things of culture and the thing, your job and all this stuff. Those are important, we understand that. But you'll start giving him space and he'll start feeling it, I promise you. But I love what he says because this is an invitation to all of us. Yeah, Psalm 91 he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. No, it's for those that learn how to dwell. What does it mean to dwell? Sit down. It's the first thing to do. Sit down and remain. Abide. Let him teach you what it means to abide. So here's the first one. You ready? The first one is this. This is gonna go quick. The first one is you have to learn the discipline of saying yes. It's as simple as that. You wanna know a good a resource for you? I push it every time I talk about prayer most of the time. Bob Sorge's Secrets of the Secret Place. Get that book. 52 chapters. They're two pages a piece. 52 weeks in a year. Focus on one chapter per week. But you gotta learn to get, you have to get the discipline of saying yes. Because I promise you, when you commit yourself to this, the enemy fights and brings distractions and all of those things into your life. Well, I'm not feeling anything. The scripture says that he's omnipresent. I'm getting ahead of myself and I can't, let me just stop there, all right. So when we learn to dwell in the secret place of the Most High, we then begin to position ourselves to discover the true key to kingdom fruitfulness. Reproductive power is unlocked in the shadow of the Almighty. The ability to re reproduce, let me just give you, a, let me give you context. Everybody remember Cornelius in scripture in the book of Acts? You know what Cornelius was, was he a Jew? Anybody that knows their scripture, was he a Jew or was he a Gentile? He was a Gentile. Cornelius was a Gentile. He was a devout Gentile. And it's interesting, if you look, he's the first Gentile to get filled with the Holy Spirit. The first one. Now, let's look at his lifestyle. He committed himself. Now, again, we're talking on the discipline of saying yes. All right. He committed himself to the secret place of prayer. His piety is described as fourfold. Four things looking at the life of Cornelius. Hang with me. I, I promise you, I'm almost finished. He gave regular to the poor. That's number one. He gave. That's a, that's a holy habit. You got to give. It's not that you have you got it's not that you have to give. It's that when you learn who he is, you want to give. All right, I'll move on. The second thing, he lived a holy lifestyle, set himself apart. There's your consecration. He set himself apart for the work of the Lord. Number three, he, uh, that was number three. I'm sorry, number three. He practiced fasting. That was a regular, there's another holy habit. 
That's a discipline within the body. It's not if you fast, it's when you fast, okay? All right, and I believe it's no food for those of you that, I get it, all right. I'm, not, I'm gonna create a monster and I'm not gonna do it. And the fourth thing, and he adhered to the secret place of prayer. Four things, four things he did. Now, check this out. It was as though God looked at Cornelius and he said this, because of your passionate conviction for the secret place, Cornelius, your life is the kind of example I wanna reproduce. I wanna reproduce it in the nation, so I'm designating you, Cornelius, to be the first Gentile to receive the Holy Spirit because I'm gonna take your devotion to the secret place and I'm gonna export it to every nation on the earth. That's what, that's what it is. He took Cornelius, the first Gentile, because of his commitment to the secret place, the scripture says that the angel comes to him and says, Cornelius, your prayers have come up as alms before the Lord. I mean, an angel comes to him and he takes his life and exports it to the rest of the world. He becomes the first Gentile, him and his household, to be filled with the Holy Spirit and become an example as one of the acts of the apostles. Is that not powerful? By making Cornelius a catalyst for the redemption of nations, God was giving a powerful endorsement to Cornelius' priority to cultivating a hidden life with God, the secret life with God that only he and God knew. If you've ever been around people that pray, you know something's different about them. There's just a little bit, there's a different, they're just different. They walk differently. Uh, it's not that they, it, it's just there's something on them. You sense it. Because they've been with Jesus. That's what they said about the apostles. They said, we perceive these men to be ignorant and unlearned, yet we know they've been with Jesus. They walked with him. It was intimacy. It was intimate relationship connected to the miraculous of what Jesus was doing. And many of us, of us sitting in this room tonight, we're called to neighborhoods. We're called to cities. We're called to jobs. We're also called to nations. And as we begin to devote ourselves to the secret place, shutting out the rest of the world, he will birth something within you that will begin to spread. I'm not talking about, oh, church, church, great, but personally in you, that God begins to reproduce in you. Again, what, what was it that I was talking about? Reproductive power is unlocked in the shadow of the Almighty. It's unlocked there, in that place. A reproduction to take your life, God will take you, what you do in secret and make it public. Now, that can be positive or <laughs> it can be negative. All right, I'll move on. <laughs> Here's the next thing, Matthew 6, 6, and this is it. Really quick, I promise. Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's giving us a clue as to how we are to pray. It, it's just, it's simplistic. He says and he tells them, he says, but you... You, when you pray, not if you pray, but when you pray, go into your room and when you have shut the door. I need to stop right there and tell some of you that simply you need to begin to start shutting the door. And that could be proverbial shutting the door out of everything else that's going in your life. You need to leave this, leave it, leave it outside, go in and shut the door and whatever, whoever calls, whoever texts, whoever does whatever, let them do it. Some of you get texts from me at like 6.30 in the morning. It's because God's putting things up. I'm like, oh, I gotta just take some, get it off my chest. I gotta, hey, just thinking about you, praying for you, whatever. But to leave 
That outside shut the door, shut out relationships, shut out all these other things and come away with the Lord and just begin to say, okay, God, I'm shutting out everything. I'm shutting out the distractions. I'm shutting out everything. I'm bringing me a list before you. So if something hits my mind and I promise you, as you begin to do this, there's things that's gonna hit your mind. There's a list, there's a task list. There's priorities and other things that you have to take care of that begin to hit you. Take it and start writing it down. But it goes on to say, when you shut the door, pray to your father, where's he at? Who is in this secret place? Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever felt disconnected from God? Anybody? How many of you have ever strained to feel the presence of God? Well, I don't feel God. Anybody? Okay. Does he, at times, has he felt distant? Do you long to know that he's with you? I mean, is there always a thing? God, I just wished I knew you were here. I just wished I, he made, there's a surefire 100% guaranteed way to have instant intimacy with the Father, and Jesus gave you the key. He said, your Father who is in the secret place. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you pray? Do you have a prayer life? Because the Father's in the secret place. Well, but you don't understand, I'll have time. That's why you, you're, the, the disconnect there has to be the time, the space that you give him and you shut the door and give. I know it. Listen, I get it. It's, it's kindergarten stuff. But so many people, we, we, we make it so complicated. We complicate the lifestyle of prayer. We complicate what it means to connect with God whenever he's saying, I'm just asking you to come away with me. Shut the door and just sit and learn how to abide. Make it be consistent. Become faithful. I, I, you know, one of the things that, that I have been praying into even more recently is the character of God. I, I, I want that in my life. I'm not saying I'm walking in it perfectly, but I want the character of God. What is the character of God? It's the fruit of the Spirit. More than the power gives, I want the fruit of the Spirit. Because I believe that God can use me in those things, but if I lack the character of God... You're, you're, the power gifts that God uses you in to lay hands upon the sick or to give extravagantly and begin to bless hundreds of thousands of people, if you have no character, the fruit of the Spirit in your life, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, all those things, you don't have those things. Whatever God gives you short-lived. But when you shut the door and you come away with him, what he starts doing is instilling fruit in you because he's looking to reproduce that out of you. You can't find it anywhere else. You can't find it in a good church service. It only happens when you step away, shut the door, shut other voices out, shut every voice out, and begin to let him speak. Demetri, if you would. The moment you get to the secret place, and I know you want to say, but I don't feel it, Pastor Ray J. Listen, I get it. I'm a feeler. I was raised Pentecostal. I'm a feeler through and through. I got to feel it. Where's it at? I don't feel it. No, I got to feel, feel God. I don't feel nothing. It's the thing that the Lord broke in me probably about, I don't know how it was back in 13 or 14 or so, is that I always felt like I had to feel something, but there's, it's changed because the more that I've read God's word, the more that I've meditated and prayed into it, it the word has begun to, he, he's altered me. I don't know how to tell you. So whenever I begin to pray, I know he's here. I, right now, I know he's in this room. I know we're two or three gathered together. You got to believe the promise first. But when I pray, I know he's with me. And when I begin to pray, and it don't take me long, start getting a little goosebump crawl up the back. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm kidding. I am not, but I am. I don't know what I am. 50-50, I guess. But I don't take me long to start feeling his presence. You got to become aware. There has to be something in you that's like, I know he's here. <laughs> 
I've walked into moments and situations whenever there was no hope at all with families. And I prayed and walked out, but like, I didn't feel nothing. And then God corrects me and says, oh yeah, I was there. You called on me and I was there. I'm omnipresent, but I'm looking for someone to to become aware of me that's willing to pray where omnipresent becomes manifest present. And that's what we're experiencing at times in our services is the manifest presence of God. God's teaching you. It's all, every encounter is all a teaching. To me, it's all a teaching to get you to come closer. Every time, stay with me, okay? I, I get it. We're, we're done. Every encounter with the Lord, every time I feel him, it's an invitation that he's saying, you, you feel this? This is me. Just as a, as a father would lead his, his own child. You feel this? You see this? I, this is, I'm teaching you. This is it. This is me. It's simple. I'm telling you. But yet it's the most profound and hardest thing that you'll ever do, right? Is pray. Can you be faithful? Can you commit yourself five minutes a day and let it build? Don't aim for an hour. I don't know what I was thinking. After seven cups of coffee later, I finally was pumped up and ready to roll, but I don't know if it's the Holy Spirit. (laughs) But I'm just asking if our people, the scripture says, would humble themselves and pray. And I'm just asking you for five minutes. I know we say RPM. I say RPMW. Put worship in there. It's gotta be in there somewhere. If you struggle to pray, put on a worship song and just worship. But give him five minutes and, and be, be like hardcore about it. Whenever, you know, you can be in your moment and the kid starts, to, hush, I'm praying, I'm having my moment with the Lord. You know, whatever it takes, guard it. Because this is what I've learned, okay? And I'm, this is it. This is my third closing and I'm done. This is what, I, what I've learned. The Lord will increase and give you more upon your life what you're most willing to jealously guard. If you're willing to guard the peace of God that he gives you, and what have we talked about Sunday night, those of you that lead strong, the way you guard your peace is you take care of you have better nights. You don't, you don't receive anxiety at night before you go to bed. That's the dumbest thing you can do. I'm just telling you. You don't have that conversation at night that's gonna breed dissension and, and, and whatever else. You, you guard that night because if God gives you Jehovah Shalom, you better guard that because it'll protect you if you'll guard it. So if he's given me his presence and that's what I want more than anything in this world, there's power in his presence, there's prosperity in his presence, there's joy in his, everything's in his presence. But when I get his presence, I'm gonna guard it. And his presence to me is when it shows up in prayer, I'm gonna guard that. I'm gonna guard that. I'm in a personal season right now, and I'm probably, I probably I, I want to pray for an hour a day in the Holy Spirit. That's what I'm doing, because I understand that there's things coming into the future. I sense it. My spirit senses it of some things that's happening, and I can't tell you and go into details. I just know there's stuff shaking and moving. So I need wisdom. I need discernment. But when I come out of that time and start to thank God for my family, oh my goodness, the gratitude that flows. I just tell God, God, if you don't do anything for me at all, I've got a wife and a family, and I'm leading the church, and I could have never seen myself doing this. Thank you for this. I'm telling you, but follow your spiritual appetite. Go ahead and stand to your feet. Just like you have a natural appetite, you know, I've ate Mexican 38 times this week. I don't think I want it again. <laughs> well, now my wife phones it. I guess that's a different story, right, Kyle? Uh, now, it's nothing on you, Ken, I promise. But it's like, but what is your, nat- what is your spiritual appetite? Is it more worship in this season? Is it more reading in this season? Is it more uh, whatever? Follow it. And 
and let God lead you into a greater encounter. I'm telling you, the focus, and I'm just gonna declare it over you right now. God, come on, put your hands out. Even if you don't want it, I pray it hits you wide open. Right between the eyes and three times on Saturday morning waking you up. I pray, Father, and declare over your people that they are men and women of extravagant and extraordinary intimacy with you. Their desire is to come near the altar and minister to you first and foremost. I declare over them, over their mind, will, and emotions that every devil in hell, as they begin to cultivate this intimate lifestyle of the secret place prayer, of learning how to say yes to you and and saying yes to the closed door, that as they do that, there's about to be an explosion over your life. I'm telling you, come on, receive that. I'm feeling this so strong tonight that as you establish holy habit number one, prayer, secret place prayer, that in the name of Jesus, God starts showing up to you in the secret place and he's invading you with felt and manifest presence. That it's tangible. That God, God is already, I'm telling you, there's people in this congregation that's already dreaming dreams of revival. They're having visions of things getting ready to take place. So God, I'm praying every vision, every dream, every time that we encounter your presence, it's an invitation to a greater transformation. And that's the goal, to become like Jesus, not like a church, not like a religion, is to become like Jesus, the Messiah. Come Holy Spirit, touch them right now. Can you just take a moment, just right now, and just receive it? Just the fragrance, or excuse me, just the intimacy of the Lord. As he's, he's here, his presence is here, the scripture says it, so I believe it. God, we receive a passion for the secret place. An invitation, an invitation to come away with him and let him instill his heart, a desire for his word, the scripture, and a desire for his face more than a business, more than a, a school, more than, more than a church. I, we gather in this building, it's great, it's awesome, but I wanna see you become extravagant and extraordinary men and women of intimacy with God. God, even as Moses said, he said, show me your ways that I would know you more, know yada, intimately become acquainted with and find grace and favor in your sight. We pray that dangerous prayer of Moses. Show me now your way, God. Show me your way. Show me your face. Show me your face. Speak with us face to face as you did with Moses, Father. I don't know, maybe it's just me, but when I think about that for just a moment, it just stirs my heart. God, I wanna see your face. 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 I I know your arm represents your strength and your hand represents your power to stay back the enemy and provision. But God, I wanna see your face because that denotes intimacy and nearness and closeness. I want to come close, God. I want to come close, God. I want to come close, God. I want to come close. I want to come close. Closer, closer, closer. I want to draw near. your word, your promise says that if we draw near to you, you draw near to us. So we want to draw near. Thank you. 
Every day, you're transforming me more and more into your image and into your likeness. Just like Jesus. Lord, I thank you. I pray that you would cultivate hearts in this room, rekindle passions and desires for pursuit. Maybe some of us in the room right now, I, I do, I feel like, listen, I, I, I'll go ahead and dismiss those that need to go. It's completely fine. But for those that want to stay, I, I feel like that the Lord is, I, I feel like that there needs to be maybe, and this is going to sound a little bit bold, but I've, I've done it quite a bit. God, forgive me for grieving your spirit. I've grieved you for my lack of hunger for you and my lack of desire for you. I'm, I'm sorry, God. I'm sorry. And, and I, I'm, I'm changing this tonight. And this, this, some of you, I don't know, it's not all of you. Maybe it's just some of you. God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for grieving you. I grieve you by what I say, the way I think, and the way I act. And I don't want to grieve you, Holy Spirit. I want you to rest on me. I want to feel you come as a dove and you just wrap me up. You rest upon me. I want to feel the weightiness of your presence upon my life. Because when you come, and I carry you everywhere that I go, it begins to change atmospheres. I want to be aware of that. It's a revival in my pursuit for you, God. It's a revival in my emotional pursuit for you. That's what you're reviving. You're bringing it back to life. You're kindling it again. You're kindling it again. Thank you. God, I just look across the room and I just declare that every person that I'm looking at, intimate, greater desire for the face of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you are able to take something from this sermon and apply it to your life. Also, feel free to share this with your friends and family. And if you'd like to contact us, you can email us at loveandtruthchurchsavannah at gmail.com. We hope you have a great week.